it's a back and forth relationship. There's two sides to this. And so the more you communicate with a broker and tell them, you know, if you want to pass on a deal or not, they don't care ultimately, but there's just that communication. And then you start to build an actual relationship with these people. Um, and that's when you start to see more deals. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, and they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Well, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexhammer. With me today, I'm excited to have Kyle Mitchell. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on, Todd. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for joining us and excited to hear more about kind of what you got going on and uh, the life uh, that you guys are, are leading here. So Kyle's a real estate entrepreneur who has a focus on multifamily syndication, currently has 17 million worth of assets under management. He is the managing partner and co-founder of Limitless Estates, whose vision is to provide a class living to lower income housing by putting the residents first and instilling a sense of community while inspiring others to do the same. Kyle's also the co-host of the weekly real estate podcast, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate, where he speaks with various experts in the real estate industry to help educate and create clarity for passive investors. Um, Kyle's got a background in operations management and logistics, and he's overseen multi-million dollar businesses and has a passion in doing the same in the multifamily syndication space. So with that said, Kyle, give our listeners a little bit more kind of about your background and, and what you guys are really focused on and, and doing today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. And, um, you know, my background, like I, like you mentioned, is in operations and management. So um, the easiest way to explain that is I, w I worked for a property management company um, just for a different asset class and multifamily in my previous life. So I was a regional manager for a golf management company. So hmm. we are the property management company for the cities who own those properties. So I had kind of an inside look at, you know, how property management companies work on the apartment side uh, because of my past uh, history with uh, the, in my previous career. So I did that for 15 years. I absolutely loved it. But uh, as I wanted to grow with that company, they were shrinking. So the opportunity for growth was a little bit less and less. And I got to a point where I wasn't able to grow any longer. And that's where I kind of my type A personality, I started looking for other things to do. Uh, I started investing in some single family homes back in 2013. And they did okay with me. But I realized pretty quickly that single family homes is tough to scale, especially when you're using your own money. Um, and I got to nine single family homes out in the Midwest. And, uh, at that point, when you're getting to that 10th, 10th, uh, loan, you've got to start looking for commercial loans. And that's kind of when I started dabbling into multifamily, I found multifamily and it just made sense to me. Like I said, it, 
it really correlates with what I was doing before and the business metrics of multifamily made sense. You know, you drive the income, you control the expenses, it sells off a multiple of the NOI. Um, and that's basically what I did for golf courses. So I fell in love with it. 11 months later, I left my job and now, uh, our company focuses on, uh, purchasing multifamily assets in the Arizona markets. When you first, so you first started buying some single families, you said you bought, uh, you said nine of them. Yep. Uh, and then you transitioned to a multifamily. Was it immediate transition to larger multifamily or what did you go into small multifamily? Like wh what was that transition like? Yeah, there was probably about a 12 month period where I did, I didn't purchase anything. I had basically capped out everything on the single families and I was just looking for something else that I could leave my full-time position for. And that's kind of when I found multifamily, but we did go from single family to a 42 unit and then from a 42 unit to 128 unit. Now we did some things in between there to make sure we were educated. We, you know, took online mentorship. We did one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, we started a meetup group and we were building our investor list for 18 months prior to actually raising our first dollar and closing on our first deal. So to take us through that first deal, you said it's a 42 unit. Um, and first, where was it? Uh, I know it's out of state. So let's, let's talk about that. And then talk about the, maybe some lessons learned, like the raise and lessons learned and why, why were you able to be successful at it? And maybe some hiccups along the way that you can teach others about. Yeah, absolutely. So it's in Tucson, Arizona. It's about two miles east of the university out there. It's a market that we really love. And the way we found it was by driving out there. Um, my wife and I at that time, we both had full time jobs and we would leave at two in the morning to drive eight hours to Tucson. And on one of those drives, um, you know, I would call the brokers previously and say, hey, I'm going to be out there. Let's have coffee, lunch. Let's tour a property. Our property management company would meet us out there and tour properties with us. So we get to continue to establish that relationship with them. And on the drive out there, the broker called me and said, Hey, Kyle, I literally just got the keys to this. We just signed with the seller. Would you like to see the property? So we were literally the first people to see the property. Uh, you know, the broker was even stumbling over the keys. We couldn't get into some units. And uh, since our property manager was there that day, she got to see the property. We toured some comps together in the local neighborhood. And, you know, it, two weeks later, we had basically done most of our due diligence on the property and the property was still not to market. It did go to market, but we were able to get it locked up in about a week. And, um, and it, you know, it was kind of a, that was it for getting the property. But it was about us getting out there in front of the brokers, visiting the market and showing the broker that we were serious. I think a lot of people call brokers every week and think that that might be enough. But I think to separate yourselves in a hot market, especially like we are today, you need to do things that other people aren't. And so if you're investing out of state, I highly encourage people to get into your market as much as possible and have face-to-face -face meetings. Um, but as far as challenges, there was a lot of challenges, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And there was just a lot of things along the way that um, we, we hit road bumps, you know, there were, certain things we didn't know from a lending perspective that really um, we learned as we went. <clears throat> and, um, you know, things like if you sign on a Fannie loan or if, if you submit with a Freddie Mac loan, there's only a certain point where you can bring on another GP. And uh, for us, we had communicated that to our mortgage broker that if we didn't feel comfortable with the raise, uh, three weeks in that we would add another GP on. He would help finish out the raise and help with some asset management. 
Unfortunately, communication kind of, there was miscommunication there. At a certain point, three weeks in, we thought we can get to our full raise, but we weren't 100% confident in that. And when you're doing a 506B, you can only meet who you've met, right? You can only have certain investor pool. You can't go out and find new ones at that point. So we went to uh, add a GP and I was told no. Uh, you can't do it. It's too late. We've already submitted the package to Freddie. <clears throat> um, and so I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. We kind of negotiated with them for about two or three weeks. And uh, the answer was no, no, no. So last minute, we threw a Hail Mary and we found um, a lender, a uh, direct lender that would be able to do it for us. We switched to Fannie. Uh, I had to bring on another, another partner to help sign on the loan. <clears throat> because with Fannie Mae, you need to have two years of multifamily experience in order to sign on that debt. So we brought on another partner and we were able to close in 29 days, which is a tight turn for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but a lot of lessons learned there, just making sure that you have everything in writing, make sure that you over communicate to the lender. They're your biggest partner. Um, and you know, it, it all worked out because we ended up getting a 60 basis point discount or an 80 basis point discount on the loan. It was earlier this year when uh, the rates dropped dramatically. So we were at a 5.01 rate and uh, we ended up with a 4.2 rate. So uh, we got lucky there. I don't think that, you know, every situation ends up that way, but um, definitely lessons learned on how the loan environment, <clears throat> the lending environment works. The, the funny thing is that the day that I said, okay, we're switching to Fannie Mae, Freddie came back and said, okay, now, yeah, yes, we can actually do it. But at that point, I just felt like they weren't, trying to help us. They were really just trying to pin me between a rock and a hard place. So we had to switch lenders. It's not something I wanted to do, but um, we ended up doing. Well, it sounds like it worked out for the best in the end that you, you did that because got the better rate and were able to move forward with the deal. And sometimes you got to make those decisions. Yeah, it was not an easy decision. And we had to pay some extra fees uh, by moving it over yeah. to Fannie, which, you know, that's something that we took, we, we lowered our acquisition fee because of that, because mm -hmm. it was a decision that we were making, uh, even though it did benefit the investors in the long run, it was still something that, you know, could have derailed the deal if we were unable to close on time and things like that. So we took it upon ourselves to lower acquisition fee, so that we could, uh, you know, we could take on the, the brunt of those fees. Well, that's something you may be able to get back now with the, the difference in the interest rate, uh, be able to work that back into the deal as, as you, you know, hold it for, especially depending on how long that hold period is, um, you'll be able to get that back. Yeah, the property is performing fantastic and that lower rate definitely helps with the debt service coverage and, and the cash flow and all that. So everything uh, with the property is doing fantastic now. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and then you bought a, another property, it was the same year, right? It, it was short. Yeah. Later. So three weeks later, actually. So, you know, the law of the first deal, as they say, uh, three weeks later, we got another one that was pre-market. You know, we got to see it about a week before it went to market. And um, my business partner and I are, are very aggressive when it comes to making sure we show face to the brokers and then we get out there. So we heard about it on a, I think it was a Tuesday. We drove out there on Wednesday and we had it on our contract on Friday. Um, so <clears throat> that's how quickly you have to move these days in, in a hot market. Yeah. And we like seeing things pre-market so that you don't get into those bidding wars because that's when the price really gets driven up. So we felt very comfortable with the property. We had toured for several other properties in that area. We lost out on a best and final actually on a property that's you know within 0.1 miles of that 
area. So we knew that area very well. So we just, we underwrote it, we toured the property and uh, got it locked up. But yeah, that happened three weeks after we closed on our first deal. So it sounds like one of the big keys to getting these properties is the broker relationships. Any other keys that you're seeing to be able to successfully, uh, you know, get properties right now in this hot you market? Know, we're doing some other things like direct mail and um, cold calling and direct to seller um, and working with some wholesalers. But really in a hot market like this, I think every broker is contacting all these properties already. They have the relationships with the sellers. They're also doing direct mail. So there's definitely something you have to do to separate yourself. And we're still working on differentiating ourselves there. But the thing that's worked for us is just showing the broker that we're serious we're going to close. And every time I talk to them, I try and tell them something new that we have implemented in our business to show them that we're serious, you know, whether it's driving out there, whether it's our new podcast or a new meetup that we host in Phoenix now or whatever it is. And the more and more they get comfortable with you, the more and more they're going to bring deals to you. So, um, you know, the second deal, we were lucky enough that one of our partners had closed on two deals previously in the same year with this broker. So, you know, when you close deals with a broker, they're more inclined to send you business before it goes to market because yeah. they know that you can close. So it's a long game. It takes a long time to establish relationship with brokers, but I think it's important to just keep trying. And the biggest thing is always communicate. Even if you get a deal and you're a million off on purchase price, at least send an email or a call back to the broker saying, this one's not for us. We're going to pass maybe even a couple bullet points as to why. Um, but I think the thing that the brokers don't like is to hear from you when you ask for a deal, they send you a deal and then they never hear from you again until you ask for the next deal, right? Yeah. It's a back and yeah. forth relationship. There's two sides to this. And so the more you communicate with a broker and tell them, you know, if you want to pass on a deal or not, they don't care ultimately, but there's just that communication. And then you start to build an actual relationship with these people um, and that's when you start to see more deals. Yeah, it, it, being honest, being transparent. And then uh, the other thing that I've, I've found that has been helpful um, is to some, just sometimes make an offer on deals and telling the broker. So these properties are listed, right? And the broker's got a reputation to keep. And they tell the seller that, look, we're going to get you know, X amount of, uh, of interest on this property and we're going to get 12 offers and so on. And they want to see these offers come in. And if you aren't willing to make offers, you know, that that's not helpful to them, but there's, so there's been plenty of times where I say, Hey, you know, look, I'm, I'm at 10 million. Your whispers at, at, you know, 14 million. I know I'm way off, but I'll make an offer if it helps you out. And oftentimes they'll say, yeah, make an offer. It helps us out. We'd love to have have it on there to be able to show our seller. Uh, so sometimes you got to do extra things just to build those relationships, and they they see that and know that and want to find you deals. Yeah, hundred percent. We do the same thing. You know, they'll say just throw in an offer, and we'll we'll definitely do it. I mean, it's not a one sided relationship, and I think a lot of people treat it that way. But yeah. it goes both ways, and we do anything we can to help out the brokers, uh, whether we see benefit or not. Because down the line, in the long run, you'll know you'll get it back. So let's talk a little bit about the the business and the experience that you had with your previous company and the experiences that you guys have had so far. What are what are maybe three pieces of advice you can give our listeners for you know how to operate your business successfully? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, treat it like a business, right? It's it's a company that you're building up. I mean, I almost look at our 
company like a startup, which, you know, in my mind, it really is. And so everything that you do is going to have an impact on what, how your business performs. And so those are big deals and you need to spend time working on your business, not just in your business, but number one, treat it like a business. Number two, you know, for entrepreneurs out there, I think it's, it's a mindset shift because when you own a business, you don't necessarily want to team up with as many partners as possible. Uh, but in multifamily, it's a different game. And it really is a team sport to having business professionals like a CPA, you know, um, an attorney, an SEC attorney, a real estate attorney, all those things, a broker, but also people on your team that can help you get to the closing table as well. So building a team in advance is huge. And that just takes networking and getting out there and getting to know people. My business partners and I have known each other for you know, two years, and we just started doing deals earlier this year. So we had known each other, we had driven out to the markets with each other, spent 12 hours, you know, driving out to the markets with one another, getting to know one another, um, before we decided to do our first deal together. So I think building a team is is number two. And then education, and I don't know if those three are in that order, but educating yourself, um, and making sure that you're in a position to make the right decisions when it comes to your investors. I mean, you know, everyone gets caught up in, oh, we're buying apartment buildings. This is so great. We're going to invest in real estate. But when you're in multifamily syndication like we are, or like I am, we use other people's money to purchase these properties. And so their money is first and foremost. And if you're not educated enough to be a fiduciary for these people, then you need to have someone on your team that is, or you need to go get more education. Uh, I see a lot of people out there running in, buying apartment buildings, raising money, but in the end, at the end, they don't have the experience to really take something full cycle. And it's really scary to see something like that because, you know, it, investors' money comes first. And I think sometimes that gets kind of swept under the rug sometimes. So those would be my three. Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, or funny, it's kind of sad, how we value education, right? We, we say, well, go and get your college degree. Most people think that's a good thing and, and don't scoff at it. And yet we are, we oftentimes hesitate paying people to, you know, take any kind of real estate course or mentorship program or anything like that, because, well, that costs a lot of money to do. And why wouldn't I just use that money to, 
you know, start the business and start investing in real estate. And it's just, it's a different kind of mindset where we're willing to pay, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars to go to college, but yet we're not willing to pay, you know, $10,000 to further our education to be, you know, and then, then like you said, we're, we've got investors money that you're dealing with. And did you, are you properly educated? Are you properly prepared? Do you have the right team in place? Uh, those are big questions you need to ask yourself before you start taking millions of dollars worth of other people's money. The other thing I thought was really good is, is on that team factor. I mean, you, you guys recently closed on a couple deals and you wouldn't have done those deals without having the right team in place, without having the right partners in place. You already talked about the getting that loan with Fannie Mae and, and needing to have the right people in place for that. Uh, it's so important to understand that it's, it's okay to share in these deals because well, for one, they're big enough deals in order to do. Uh, and, and that's what it's, it's about building a collaborative effort and, and actually putting the right people into place to get the deal done. And it creates a stronger project in the end. Yep. hundred percent. And, and the biggest thing is, is look, if you try and do something on your own and you fail, there's, real money at risk. You know, this isn't a single family home where you have 20 grand down on a hundred thousand dollar home. I mean, not only do you have other investors money at risk, you've got a lot of your money at risk as well. This can be something that can lose you and your team a quarter million dollars or more um, and really be bad for your reputation. So take the time, you know, a little piece of something is better than nothing of the whole pie or, or whatever that, that saying is. But you know, when you first get started, definitely bring in team members that are going to help you be successful, no matter what the cost is. I mean, your first couple of deals, you should be really looking at learning and getting the experience before anything about your equity and, and how much you're making. Because like I said, there's just, there's too much on the line when it comes to multifamily. It's definitely a different sport, different game than the single family space. Well, and you got to look at it like, so we see these large companies in real estate partnering with other large companies. I see it all the time with the, especially in development where there'll be an investment firm that partners with a developer and then they might even partner with a, with a few other people to help get this whole deal done. We see it all the time in bigger deals in, you know, hundred million plus dollar deals that a large, even institutional buyers will partner with each other in order to get these deals done. Yeah, we think we should go at it alone on our, you know, $5 million, $3 million deal. And it doesn't make any sense when, you know, if we're seeing that on the, with the big players, why don't we think we should be doing the same in our space, at our level? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the better your team, the, the better your business is going to be, the more you can scale and grow. Um, and working together ultimately is better in the long run. Anyways, you have someone to bounce ideas off of, you have someone to be there as you guys grow. So I couldn't agree more. So Kyle, what, what have you done to be able to build your team, to be able to find your team to, you know, how, how did you, did you just push the Cra Craigslist ad? What'd you do? Yeah. So I'm one of those people that kind of just goes all in. And so, you know, I, I follow very simple steps of building an educational platform is what I did. And, you know, I learned that through reading several books and going to uh, networking events and things like that. But the first thing we did was we started a meetup in the local area. And the difference between starting a meetup and being at a meetup is that starting a meetup, you're at the head of the table, right? You're the authority 
um, at that meetup. And so people want to come talk to you and, and learn more about what you know. Um, and then from there, we started a podcast and then we started a second meetup. And now we just had a third meetup. We do uh, monthly webinars online. So what we did is we just tried to get our name out there and put our best foot forward and, you know, be a leader in helping others get educated in multifamily. And what that did was just open up the doors to meeting people like you um, and meeting people like Michael Plonk and other people. And uh, that's how I met my partners is through our meetups. You know, we met both of them through the meetups that we host and we all invested in the same markets. And so we said, hey, let's go out there together. And that's how it happened. Now, these things don't happen overnight. I mean, we've been building this for two years now. Um, and I think a lot of people lose patience with it. But I think if you're persistent and keep it up, you're eventually going to meet the right people and be able to expand your business. Yeah, that's an important, uh, you know, factor in this. It doesn't just happen overnight. You, you don't expect to go to a meetup or even have your own meetup and meet your business partner or, or an important person on your team. And just all of a sudden you guys are doing multi-million dollar deals together. It just doesn't happen that way. Typically uh, it's, it's, kind of similar to dating. I mean, you've got to make sure they're the right fit. If you're doing business with the wrong people that aren't the right fit, if you guys have the same skills, whatever it is, uh, it's just not going to be a relationship that you want to keep. So it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take you months or years to be able to really start doing business together. And that's a really important distinction to make. I think a lot of people think, well, I'll just go to a meetup, I'll meet the right person, and we'll start doing these big deals together. Yep. We, we've had people that have started meetups and then stopped them two months later because they're not, you know, they haven't found anyone from them or, or what it may be. But I mean, my wife and I were going to three, four meetups a week, you know, after our full-time jobs for, you know, a year and a half, we still go to one or two a week right now, uh, plus the ones that we host. And so, yeah, it just takes time to get out there. And really what we did is we tried to shift our, you know, the people we hung out with, like they say, you are the average of the five people that you hang out with. So we tried to, you know, be around people that make us better, that have the same mindset and values. And now these people are our friends. And when we go to these meetups, we love going there because we're seeing our friends. Um, and from that is where you start to really gain some momentum. And that's when you kind of, you know, meet people who you might may want to do business with because you've gotten to know them over a course of time. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, Kyle, what's a, what's a, mistake that you guys or you have made and how have you learned from it? Yeah. So the mistake that I made was probably the first deal we did try and go it alone. It was a, and that's when we tried to bring on the second business partner. I think at that time, like I said, team is important. I would have just brought the team in in advance um, and not tried to take the whole deal down by ourselves. Now, again, we have been building our investor database for 18 months we had the network and liquidity to take down this smaller deal. So uh, we felt our team was strong enough to do it. But in, in the end, because we brought on these partners, now we're partners on this second deal that is much larger. So, you know, I'm here telling people the team because I literally went through it myself and I did not set up the team in advance on the first deal. And I was lucky enough that the team came together while the deal was under contract. Um, but, you know, getting that team set up in advance is huge. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, it, it was good that you had the, the network already uh, built because if you get this 4,200 contract and you don't close on it, 
that potentially stops you from doing the next deal and potentially stops you from doing any deals in that market for quite some time because it is all about reputation. You build a reputation and you can harness or harm that reputation very quickly as, as well. So Yeah, these brokers talk to one another and you yeah. know, you, you think it's a big market, but it's really not. Multifamily is a small space in the whole scope of things. And if you burn one broker, they're going to hear about it. And yeah, your reputation is everything. hundred percent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, what's a, what's a daily habit that you do to uh, set yourself up for success? I just recently started waking up at three fifty-five AM uh, Monday through Friday. So what I did there was I, I got an accountability partner. And so that's been huge for my life. It's been 10 weeks now and that's kind of completely changed my life. I've always done the miracle morning that uh, a lot of people talk about where, you know, you do some meditation, journaling, exercise, reading. Those are all things that I've done for a long time, but uh, I need a little kick in the butt towards the end of this year to get things back on track. And I decided to hire or not hire um, partner with an accountability partner. I literally just posted it on Facebook. And the biggest thing to hire, uh, bring on an accountability partner is you need to make sure both sides benefit equally. If yeah. someone's, so I was on, I'm on the West coast. If someone's on the East coast and they say, Oh, I can do it for you. Cause I'm already up at seven they don't have any reason to continue this or, or to move forward with it. So I found someone on the West coast. They said, Hey Kyle, I'm trying to wake up five days a week too. I currently do it too. This would really help me. So I'm helping him. He's helping me. And it's been a game changer for me. Waking up at three fifty-five is not easy, but uh, we call each other at 4am and my day started and I get all the stuff out of the way. It's a very relaxing start to my morning so that my mindset is off and running when I'm, when I sit down and uh, get to work. What's the benefit of waking up at 3.55 a.m. versus 7.55 a.m. or 6.54 or throw it at any other time? Yeah, I think just knowing who you are, it's different for everybody, right? Some people are better when they work at night. So I'm not saying you have to wake up early in the morning, but I know how I am when I wake up at 7 a.m. and I feel rushed. I feel behind. Emails start coming in. And I skip some of the things that I like to do on my daily habits. And I just kind of fall off the wagon a little bit. So by waking up that early for me, I'm able to accomplish all my stuff in the morning before anyone even emails me. I mean, at, at 3.55 a.m., even people on the East Coast are not emailing me for another hour or two. So it just allows me to get my mindset um, right versus feeling rushed in the morning. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, what's your favorite, favorite uh, real estate or business book? Um, real estate book, I would say the syndication book by Joe Fairless, because I'm literally just taking that and using it as my Bible and just running through it step by step as we build our business. Um, business book, I love Cashflow Quadrant. You know, a lot of people say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but it really, the light bulb hit me when I read Cashflow Quadrant uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, I liked that book. It's been a long time since I read it, but I read it probably back in maybe 2007 or so, and I really liked it. And definitely, I would say changed my mindset a lot more than Rich Dad Poor Dad ever did. Yep, agreed. Yeah, like it a lot. Um, so, last question before we wrap up: What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation. Great question. So, you know, again, I think. Like I said, building a team, number one, um, 
in order to create wealth, it takes a long time, right? It's not get rich quick. It's building it over the long term. So it's building the team. Number two, you know, having support around you. For me, it's my wife. And our goals and values were set up prior to us starting this company so that we know that, you know, no matter what we're going through, we always kind of look to those values and goals that we agreed upon and we're on the same page. So you have that support system um, that really gets you through. And when you're on the same page as your spouse or your partner, um, you can achieve your goals a lot quicker. Um, and then in this type of environment, I would just say to make sure you stick to your underwriting and stay conservative and don't chase deals. It's very easy right now to go and chase deals and justify why you're paying that price because uh, everyone else is paying that price. But that does not mean that's the price that you should be paying. So it's important to stick to your criteria uh, and you do not want to get in a position where you're forced to sell during a downturn or you, know, you overpaid for an asset um, when we're somewhat towards the peak here. So it's always buying right. Yeah, all three very, uh, very important. I, I like all three. The last one, obviously, sticking to your criteria. It's easy to get. Like you just feel like, man, I, I need to do more deals, or I need to do my first deal, whatever it is. And you you get to where you have to do that deal, and that's when you start really making mistakes. Is when you're getting more emotional uh, on the deal. You're changing your criteria. You're saying, well, you know, I feel like this market is going to continue for a long time. So I'm not worried anymore about X, Y, or Z. And all of a sudden you're really uh, pushing these deals across the table that maybe you shouldn't be. Like you said, then you got to sell during a downturn and that's when you really lose money. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Kyle, really appreciate you joining us on the show. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you got going on? Listen yeah. to the podcast, whatever. Happy to give my phone number, 562-833-5010. Uh, our podcast is Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. And also if they head to our website, www.limitless-estates.com, we have a free passive investor's guide on there for all your listeners. Awesome. Awesome. Well, definitely appreciate it. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday. <laughs>